This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. Today's episode of Quick to Listen is brought to you in part by ChristianBook.com. If you're still shopping for Christian products online at a secular retailer, ChristianBook.com has the web's largest selection of everything Christian, for less christianbook.com. Today is Wednesday, November 14th, and this is Quick to Listen, where we go beyond hashtags and hot takes to discuss a major cultural event. Today we will be speaking with Dr. Paul Mapindi about what is going on with Christians in the Central African Republic. I'm Morgan Lee, Associate Digital Media Producer here at Christianity Today, and I'm joined as always by Mark Galley, our Editor-in-Chief. Mark, it's good to have you here. It's good to be here, I think. I think. You're always so just like one foot in, one foot out. <laughs> Mark is happy to be here. For the I, am, I am happy to be here. All right. Mark, tell us more about Dr. Mapindi. Paul Mapindi was born and educated in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and earned advanced degrees later in Old Testament studies, as well as a PhD in historical theology in the U.S. Dr. Mapindi is a director of Mission French Africa, a radio ministry focused in evangelism, discipleship, and stewardship in French Africa. And for the past 15 years, Dr. Mapindi and his wife Charlotte have developed a daily audience of more than 10 million listeners throughout French Africa, Europe, and Haiti. Welcome, Dr. Mapindi. Oh, thank you very much. How's it going in the great state of Michigan? Going well, but it's cold here, so... <laughs> it's that time of year. Yep. Yep. Mark was just complaining about the weather. No, I wasn't. I was embracing the elements, as you recall. <laughs> it's supposed to snow tonight, so that's exciting for sure. How do you feel about the snow? Well, in Michigan, we don't complain about it. If you do, then you're going to get more. So <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> that's a good thing to tell your children, right? <laughs> You're like, if you don't like the weather, if you if you say it out loud, you're only going to have more snow or more rain. I will say my appreciation for winter grew after I was able to buy myself a snowblower. Okay. <laughs> there you go. I love working with tools. Well, let's get into our discussion. It's been a bloody year in the Central African Republic. Two months ago, a massacre claimed the lives of dozens of people in the country after suspected Islamist rebels attacked a group of civilians in the central town of Bria. The massacre was just the latest in a wave of violence for the country of 4.5 million people. At the beginning of this year, the CAR's capital had been considered a safe haven in the war-torn country. It was the only place the government claimed control as three-quarters of the landlocked nation is occupied by armed groups. But since the spring, the country has witnessed an upsurge of violence in recent months, notably with attacks targeting churches and church leaders in the capital city, Bangui, and Bombury, another important city in the country. Since January, four Catholic priests were targeted, with three of them killed in separate attacks. To be fair, however, a self-defense militia composed primarily of Christians has also committed atrocities against Muslims. The Central African Republic is about 50% Christian and equally divided between Catholics and Protestants. It currently ranks number 35 on Open Doors' list of the 50 countries where it's hardest to be a Christian. Today on Quick to Listen, we'll discuss why violence is once again on the upswing, who really makes up the country's quote-unquote Christian militia, and what it will take for peace to prevail here. All right, Mark, I would love to get your gut reaction to some of the news that we just shared here. 
Yeah, for some reason, in rereading about the incidents happening there recently, especially the killing of the priests, for some reason it affected me uh, much more emotionally than a lot of these stories do. You know, being in the news business, you're used to hearing this stuff day in and day out, so it doesn't affect you as much. But for some reason, hearing about the murder of three priests just made me think, man, it would be a scary place to be a Christian right now there. So I have covered Christians who are persecuted I don't know, for four or five years at this point. And one of the things that makes this story a little bit unique to me is this Christian militia. I don't know that much about it. It adds this really interesting wrinkle. You know, many times when you talk to Muslims, they will try to distance themselves from the more violent actors in their faith and don't really see them as a true representation of that. And I'm curious to the degree to which Christians would often distance themselves from that Christian militia, or if they do see it as a way that they're fighting back against the violence that's perpetuated by them. And this isn't the only uh, country in the world where Christians have felt the need to take up arms to defend themselves. I believe that's happened in Nigeria. Uh, it's happened in the Southeast Asia in t- troubling times. So it's not an unusual phenomenon for Christians to do this, but it'll be interesting to get uh, Dr. Mapindi's view of if that's effective, useful, helpful, right, biblical, whatever. Absolutely. So, Dr. Mapindi, let us start our discussion with you. Maybe I can just ask you really quickly, what are some things that you would want our listeners to know about the Central African Republic? Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share about, uh, it used to be very peaceful, you know. We lived there, my kids uh, were born there, I studied there, I taught there. It used to be very calm, but I think uh, everything blew up, I would say. Now, the country had all the political turmoil in the past. That was mostly between uh, dictators trying to chase one another. But in 2013, then things really changed because it became mostly a religious war, because the Seleka, as they are called, are Muslim uh, rebels who came and uh, toppled uh, the government. Now, when people say the Christian government, that's not really... The president happened to be a Christian, but we can't say Christian government. So then everything just was really, really messed up because the, instead of just being a coup d'etat, this Seleka rebellion became a religious war. Now, I have to be fair to the Muslims, too, because the Selekas didn't just kill Christians. They killed also Muslims as well. So then in reaction, you have this anti-Balaka, they call it, the Christian militia, called themselves anti-Balaka. As a pastor, I think I would not call those uh, anti-Balaka Christians, because they, those anti-Balakas clearly say they use witchcraft to do their stuff. So I don't see how we can call them Christians. (laughs) Wow, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, their name is clear, anti-Balaka. They wear witchcraft stuff on their bodies and kill people when uh, they find and... uh, I don't think it's fair to identify them as Christian. Why do you suppose journalists, uh, at least the, the recent, I just read something in the Atlantic to get myself up to speed on this, call them primarily Christian, so they still must identify with Christianity in some respect? Well, now you have to understand that the country has two main religions. So it's Christianity first, and I think the percentage of Christian in CAR is about 85%. So it's a large, uh, mostly Christian nation in terms of uh, the number. And then you have Islam that has been growing there, so that anything that is not 
Muslim is considered Christian. I see. Okay, yeah. that, that makes sense. Yeah. Since these uh, militias are mostly targeting Muslims, that's why journalists call them Christians. Now, I have to say, I, I, in all fairness, I think most of them go to church. But the church as a body in Central African Republic has no militia. Yeah, the church is not behind anything. We, we just don't like violence. And uh, we, in fact, uh, the, both the Catholic and uh, Protestant churches are working together to kind of uh, encourage both sides to kind of calm down and talk instead of fighting. So you mentioned that this coup happened in 2013. Has the country basically been in a state of unrest since that time? Yes. Now, the country has been in a state of unrest since 1994, when since the when the country moved from this dictatorship to democracy, because then there were coup d'etats and coup d'etats, but all those coup d'etats happened. Usually, I was there. You know, one general will kick the other general, and then one or two days, and then everything's back to normal. <laughs> but in 2013, I think really things just went crazy because when the Seleka came. They just didn't come to change the government. They came with a clear Islamic tone. And then they started killing, uh, targeting Christians. And then the militias, the Christian militias, then rose up and started uh, kind of defending themselves. So I think there would be no Christian militias if the Seleka just came and then tried to stay in power as the the other dictators used to do in the past. But for this time, they went, I was there. It's, you know, I was there when the Seleka got in and hid under the bed for a couple of days, you know. So yeah, can thing, you tell us a little bit more about what happened? You, were you you were at your house and you heard about this on TV or on the radio or what, what happened? Well, I actually, <laughs> you know, we came from Grand Rapids and we flew back to to Bangui to minister to pastors over there. And then while we were there, the Seleka got in and we were pinned down. So I was there with my wife under the bed because they were shooting all over the place. We were waiting because we thought, okay, it's going to take one or two days and everything will be calm. No, they just started killing people and killing Christians. Then we knew that we were in trouble. So we hid there for a week or so and then we were evacuated and came back to the U.S. So these things are not uh, just news. These are people being killed, mostly because the Seleka have a clear religious agenda. I feel sorry also because they don't just kill Christians. They kill Muslims who don't see things the way they see them. So it's a very deadly combination here. Let's talk a little bit about the Christian community in Central African Republic. What denominations is it made up of, and what are the biggest denominations? Uh, in Central African Republic, I think uh, the Baptists are the ones who are majority there. You also have, I wouldn't just not say Bap Baptists, but let's call them Evangelicals. The Evangelicals are really, really uh, the majority there. And then you have the Baptists, the Pentecostals, and all the others. And then you have the Catholic on the other side. And I think there are more Catholics in CAR than Protestants, I think. What type of ethnic groups do you have in CAR? 
oh, there are more than 10 tribes, but mostly you have the Manjas, you have the Baya, you have the Yakumas, you have the Bayas, you have the other ones they call uh, Dingbaka, but in Syria they call them Baya. Those tribes, most of them live peacefully. But, by the way, most of the people messing up CAR are not people from Central African Republic. They're coming from other Muslim nations over there in the north, you know. Which countries? Oh, most of them come from Sudan, I think. And then some people in the north also are from Central African Republic. But most of them are uh, foreigners who come and uh, basically come to get whatever they can get in terms of resources in the country. But the tribes of CAR themselves are peaceful people. I know them very well. I work with them. It's a, uh, it used to be a nation that you could really go to and without anything to worry about anything because they, were, they are peaceful people. The kind of violence we are seeing now is contrary to their nature. But the church has been playing a very good uh, and important role there. And I am so thankful for both the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church because they are working together. The Catholic uh, bishop there has been in in the forefront of a peace transition, uh, helping the government, helping the rebels. And then he's working with uh, the Muslims also to uh, bring peace to the country. So I think so far things are tough. But I think the government of Central African Republic is committed to peace. And uh, the president himself is a good Christian. I know him personally. And uh, we pray that the Lord may continue to help him to be successful in uh, bringing up peace uh, to this country. Historically, would you say that Muslims and Christians in the CAR have gotten along? Oh, yes. This is a war that comes from the outside because Muslims and Christians live together. We live together for years. By the way, Muslims are the ones who own all the shops, you know. So there was no problem, not at all. But and then I think some of them, the people there went out of the country and got uh, weapons. And uh, of course, on on their head, there is a, a guy from CAR. But most of the people doing the killing are people who came from the outside. Just for some context, I'm sure that some of our listeners know that CAR is obviously in Africa, but they don't really know where it is. Can you tell us about some of CAR's neighbors and what part of the continent it's in? Yeah, uh, the name of the country itself, Central African Republic, means that the country is at the center of the continent. Landlocked, uh, the neighboring countries are Congo Democratic and then Congo Brazzaville, and then Chad, and then Sudan, and then Cameroon. So it's a, it's, a, it's a landlocked country. So you have all these powerful neighbors all over the uh, you know. So if you look at the African map, just point at the center, and you'll see, you'll see, uh, see uh, Central African Republic. Hey, this is Morgan from Quick to Listen, and today we're speaking with Ben Minks, who recently returned from a Kingdom at Work workshop. Kingdom at Work is a ministry that seeks to inspire, equip, and ignite leaders to advance God's kingdom through their influence in the marketplace. So, Ben, I'm really curious, how did the Kingdom at Work workshop speak into the type of work that you do? I'm a home builder in the Twin Cities. We build homes from the ground up and uh, sell those houses. 
That's the business that we're in, but like so many other businesses, it's really a people business. And so the Kingdom at Work workshop kind of lays out some fundamentals. It's the Lord's business. This is where God placed us to influence other people for His Kingdom. One key idea is, does every person in our organization really feel cared for? And kind of going up and down our whole art chart and saying, how about this person? How about that person? Do they really feel cared for? The King of at Work program gives us specific, doable, very practical ideas and measures for creating a culture or an atmosphere in which people that come into contact with us get a glimpse of Christ, of the character of God through our interactions with them. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Why do you think that this year there's been an upswing in violence? It is politics. Uh, I think this is my own opinion. Central African Republic is a small country. There is goodwill. That thing can be fixed in two or three weeks. The rebels are not almighty. It's just a a bunch of... uh, People with RPGs and, and, and Kalashnikovs, and, and uh, it's, they are not a powerful army, no. But what I notice is since CAR is poor, uh, all the other countries don't care. They, nobody wants really to help them, you know. They are on their own at the mercy of these rebels. The army of the CAR is weak, and uh, there is this... Called, thing called what uh, an embargo. The government can buy weapons. So I don't see how the government of CAR can re- reinstore law and order because one, they can buy weapons. Two, the rebels are getting weapons wherever they want. So I, I don't see this. Uh, I don't understand it. I just sit there and watch because the rebels are not powerful. I can say that. So who's uh, enforcing an embargo? <laughs> the United Nations. Oh, <laughs> say more. How did that? Wow, happen? wow. But but the United Nations really is not. There are certain powers that are behind doing this. Now they did it before because there was a dictator. There was a dictator there. But now that uh, this people of CR have elected a, a president through fair and good elections, I don't know why the embargo is still there. So there is embargo. The government can't buy weapons. But at the same time, the rebels are buying weapons. Yeah, the rebels are buying weapons. They get them all over the place. They are heavily armed compared to the government. So the government cannot put up uh, a fight with them as far as uh, of now, maybe. I don't know what they are doing. But 
my point is, if the world community wants to help this, the Central African Republic, they can clean up this place in one in less than a month. It's going to be done. You know, it's not a huge country. No, and the rebels are are not all over the place. But I I just don't know why everybody's looking on. Uh, uh, how do you say it? They don't want to help. You know, they, they come up with committees, with all kinds of meetings. They waste <laughs> money for nothing, and then people are dying. Yeah, know? that's sad. Very sad. What is the goal of the rebels, in your opinion, especially when they go and attack Christians? It's money. You know, let me put it this way. Most of them are uneducated, and they have learned. I know this thing very well. They used Those rebels used to be uh, people who would loot travelers in the country, back of the country. They would uh, go and loot cars and do all kinds of stuff in the country, in the forest over there. And then he got used to it. Even to be fair to Islam, the rebels are using Islam as a way to hide behind. Because Muslims, really, as we know them in CAR, they don't, they are no violent people. We lived with them for years. They never attacked anybody. But I think those uh, thugs are using Islam as a cover to come and disturb the whole place. So both Christians and Muslims really have to work together to rid the CAR of these rebels. I mean, these they are thugs. They are not even rebels, to tell you the truth. They are just thugs that are using Islam, in a way, giving a bad name to Islam because of what they are doing. So... I think if we want to bring peace to CAR, we have to change the names. We should not talk about a, a war between religion. No, we have to change. We have to say that a bunch of thugs who happen to be Muslims are using Islam as a cover to go literally ransack the whole place. Okay, we'll try to make sure that's clear in our reporting. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't put my name there because they're going to start. Exactly. If they, they hear, don't use a different a, name. A source who wishes to remain anonymous says. <laughs> oh, because they know I said that they're going to look for me. Oh, you're <laughs> saying it on our podcast right now. Too late. Well, I hope it's not live. <laughs> so, Dr. Mapindi, I'm curious then, for our listeners who want to pray for the Christians that are in CAR, what would you ask them to pray for? Christianity in CAR is strong. I lived there for many years. We worked hard to train up Christian brothers and sisters. I think if there is any uh, prayer for now, it's the Lord to restore peace. Without peace, you can do nothing. And then the other thing is, the war brings poverty. People are suffering there, I tell you, and dying because lack of medical uh, help and all the other things. So pray for peace, pray for Christians to not go uh, grow violent. Eh? When you are attacked mm. every day, you want to defend yourself. But pray that they may be, uh, seek peace instead of uh, trying to get into this circle of violence. Nobody wins when you start killing each other, you know. Where would you say that you see God working in the church right now? Although things are so negative, but you go there, you are encouraged. Christians are growing in their faith. We have our ministry is there. We have an office there. We have uh, we train people, and there, you know, it's so interesting. You go there, you expect them to be sad. No, they are very happy, you know, and they put their faith in the Lord. I'm saying this 
Every time I go there, I am encouraged by them. Although they live in poverty and insecurity, but they have not lost hope. So let me tell you, Christians in Central African Republic are good people. They, they love the Lord, they serve Him, and they are faithful to Him. That's what encourages me personally. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your ministry does in CAR? Well, we are mostly uh, a media ministry, which means we do radio, we broadcast radio gospel programs there through radio. We use the radio stations that are there, mostly Christians, even we use the government radio as well. And they give us, we buy airtime and we air radio programs. But then we do discipleship, Bible correspondence courses. Uh, we train pastors who are leading local churches without ever having a, a going through seminary. And then we do counseling, we do all kinds of things. And the Lord has blessed Mission French Africa Ministries there in Africa, in Bangui especially. Uh, usually when we go, we gather all the pastors. We get, well, maybe a thousand of them come and we train them. But also, we shouldn't forget, there is a, a very important seminary there, Bangui Evangelical Graduate School of Theology, that trains pastors who come from all the other countries. Now, because of the insecurity, many pastors from other countries don't go there anymore. But the seminary is still there. So we work with the seminary. And our ministry is there uh, to help uh, preach and teach and encourage people to seek peace. Because without peace, you can't do much. When did Christianity first come to this region? And also, like, when was this country founded as well and get it its independence? Uh, Central African Republic became uh, independent from France in 1960. But Christianity has been in that country for 100 years now, I think. And uh, this country has been a Christian nation for a long time. Islam grew up, uh, grew uh, only, you know, in the past 10 or 15 years. The percentage of Muslims used to be like 10%. But now, with all the influx of people coming from Sudan and other Muslim countries, you have more Muslims. But uh, Central African Republic is really mostly a Christian nation. All right. Well, thank you so much for giving us this overview of everything that's going on. It was very helpful for us just to get a better sense of the dynamics are playing out here in CAR. So thank you, Dr. Mupendi. For everyone that has feedback about the podcast, you can leave it on Twitter. We're at CT Podcast. You can also send us an email. We're at podcast at christianitytoday.com. Before we head over to Precious Moments, I want to remind everyone this podcast is made possible by everyone who gives to Christianity Today our ministry. And I feel like every time we do this, we find another hat that Mark wears as part of his editor-in-chief role, you know, in addition to being quick to listen podcast host. So what's a new hat that you recently put on? Well, I'm on the advisory board of something called the Pelican Project, which was unveiled last week. Uh, I'm very excited to be a part of this group. It, it really does speak to the dynamics of evangelicalism at its best. I mean, it, with the rise of the internet and the uh, increasing prominence of uh, women in the ministry, especially uh, national Bible ministries and now national bloggers, even international bloggers, there was this uh, almost a cacophony of sounds coming from various and sundry women teachers and leaders. And, you know, as, as these things go, when things explode like that, they were of mixed quality, sometimes theologically of mixed quality. And so a group of women in response, evangelical women in response to this cacophony said, let's see if we can figure out a way to help 
bring some order and some, uh, and at the moments when it's needed, a little orthodoxy to what is going on in the world of women's ministry. So they've pulled together a number of really stellar women who are leading this charge. Uh, among the others are our own Andrea Palpantdilly and a regular writer for us, Karen Swallow Pryor and uh, Tish Harrison. Really, women whose writings and thinking I just deeply admire. So I'm actually honored to be on the advisory board. I haven't had much to advise because they're doing, they're, they're just showing such wisdom in pr- pretty much everything they're doing. All I've been able to do is say, you guys are doing a great job. So I'm really looking to s- forward to seeing how this ministry unfolds, but it's a, it's a good moment. All right. So if you want to know more about this new group, we did an article about it last week. It's called A New Guild Aims to Equip Women and Amplify Orthodoxy. If you would like to show your support for this guilt by supporting our podcasts, what you should actually do, go to morect.com slash podcasts, morect.com slash podcasts. Yeah, to be generous, we should, I, I would, wouldn't object at all if you decided to donate to that organization. It's called the Pelican Project. Project. But at the same time, you could write a check to Christianity Today as well. It doesn't, why it's a not? both and yeah, world. <laughs> All right, now is the time of the show that we call Precious Moments when we ask everyone to share something that is bringing them joy. Mark, are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's hear it. We are in the process of repainting living room, dining room, and kitchen area. Now, I know that doesn't sound like fun to some people, but I get to get out a lot of my tools and my paint equipment. And as I've said on many occasions, it's one of the ways I get recreation as a journalist, editor, writer, is to do something that's really concrete and physical and has a beginning and end. Just to be able to look at a wall that I've just prepared for painting and then paint it, I'll sometimes just stop at the end of the evening. I'll pull up a chair and just look at the work that I've done and just go, that looks great. You painted it the same color? A little bit different this time. Very cool. People can find me at uh, the Galley Report, where I'll give them advice on painting and house repairs. No, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, right? A little bit. No, I uh, link to articles I find of interest and uh, the comment on them. And you can find that at uh, the Galley Report. That's G-A-L-L-I report at ChristianityDay.com slash the Galley Report. All right, Dr. McPendy. Well, we have a story every day. We have our granddaughter. What else can be better in life? Exactly. <laughs> Than to be looking at your granddaughter's picture or a video or something like that. So does she live nearby? Oh no, far away. So that's what makes the video very important. Yeah, <laughs> Skype and all the other stuff. <laughs> oh, no. I know. Otherwise, you won't get to see her very often. Yeah, we do WhatsApp, and that's good. That's very good. I saw on one website, Anza. By the way, I think it was on the the institute website that. Uh, Saw so you in a boat catching fish. Are you a fisherman? Oh, yes. I love fishing, but it's too cold to go out there. Yeah, right so. now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I love fishing. It's good. It just relaxes me. I'm, we are busy, you know? Yeah. All right. We'll have to do that together sometime. That would be fun. Good. All right. So what's the website for your organization, for your ministry? MissionFrenchAfrica.org. O-R-G. MissionFrenchAfrica.org. You will see... Uh, what we do there. I'm uh, happy that uh, the ministry is going very well uh, here in the U.S. and then in French Africa, you, what we are doing in Congo, in Central African Republic, in Benin, in Ivory Coast, and all over French Africa. So I'm very pleased uh, 
people are coming to the Lord. This year we had uh, 428 converts, new converts in Africa. And then we have trained uh, about 5,000 pastors. And uh, so there are many reasons to be thankful to the Lord. So These converts are coming out of Islam or? Uh, All over the place, yeah. All over the place. Some of them are actually, they, they used to be Muslims, but we just don't like to give their names so that people don't bother them. Yeah. All right. My precious moment is that I recently went to a place, I'm not going to say it correctly, called Yeowuse, which is this Korean restaurant in Chicago. But apparently it's not just any Korean restaurant. It's actually a restaurant that has a lot of millennial Korean food. I guess that's a thing. Because I was with there with someone and they were like, you know, this is the type of food that young people like to eat when they go out in Korea. It was really delicious. They had some of the popcorn chicken, which I've eaten at before, which is really good. But they also had this one stew that apparently has its origins in the Korean War when people would just throw whatever they could mix together and make a giant stew. And so it's food that probably cost a couple dollars to make if you were just going to make it from scratch. But of course, they've tricked all of us into paying $20 for a giant thing of it. It has spam in it too, if you like spam, which I like spam. But that was like a really great meal. I ate so much food there. And I think I'm a fan of eating young people Korean food. They also had a bunch of K-pop music as well. And it was next to a KTV place. So you could do karaoke after that if you wanted to. Sounds like a perfect place for you to go. Yeah, I was a fan. All right, people can follow me on Twitter at M-E-P-A-Y-N-L. That is it for us this week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Quick to Listen. Today's episode of Quick to Listen is brought to you in part by ChristianBook.com, where you'll find great Christmas gifts for everyone on your list. From books to Bibles and music to videos, toys, and more, Christian Book has everything Christmas for less. This podcast is produced by myself, Richard Clark, and Cray Allred. You can support our ministry, Christianity Today, by going to morect.com slash podcasts. That is morect.com slash podcasts. This podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We appreciate everyone who goes to Apple Podcasts and rates and reviews the show. Thank you so much for doing that. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye.